Hello, and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the industrious Matt. Hello there. Can I, can I just make a correction there, David? Of course. Because uh, obviously this pod's going out the day before Halloween, so I, I've, oh, yes. I've rebranded for this week. We're no longer Neither the Time Nor the Space. We are neither the terror nor the spooky. Mm. I just thought I'd put a little Halloween twist on it for one week. Yes, yeah. People do love doing that, especially on the old Twitters. Yeah, I've ironically done it on Twitter. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Oh, good. I I couldn't think of a good one. I was just going to put, like, neither the time nor the space, but a little bit scarier this week. Mm. Yeah, that's quite good. Um, you see, I've been thinking for my personal Twitter handle whether or not... Um, be- because normally my display name is just David. Mm-hmm. It's re- terribly imaginative uh, to begin with. Um, so I-, I wondered whether I should just make it sort of like David but a ghost. Uh, just change it Something to... Something like that. To change it to David the werewolf. And, and just <laughs> see if anyone comments. Or, you know, David the Frankenstein... <laughs> but then put in brackets the monster, not the doctor. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if we'd be probably be bumping up against the character limit there, but I might give yeah. it a go. Um, but uh, anyway, all, all moot, uh, really. Um, the, the, if you're listening to this uh, any day other than the weekend it comes out. Yeah. Uh, though also, for all our listeners... Uh, uh, happy new Doctor Who day because it'll be uh, the first episode of series thirteen airing uh, the day after this goes out. Mm. And the day yes, after I'm that, David, so I, I've got some yeah. big news. Okay, I, I, I've kindly been invited by our friends over at the Cloister Bell. Oh yes, who have submitted this week's Wheelie Big Quiz questions. I'm bricking it. Uh, <laughs> I, I've kindly been invited. You were invited mm-hmm. too, but I've just said you'd probably be doing dad stuff to their uh, Doctor Who after show. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to be taking part in that. Now, the one thing is, I won't have watched the episode because <laughs> I don't want to catch up. So I'll probably just yeah. bob in, say hello. Um, but yeah, there's us. There's Rob and Liam from the Cloister Bell are going to be there. Harry mm-hmm. and Luke from Who Can Convince You. Uh, Mark and Ian from All of Time and Space, and I think it's going to be Shona from My Adventures in Time and Space, but they have like a revolving guest every week. So, some of my favourite Doctor Who podcasts. Yeah, some great ones there. I'm I'm keeping fingers crossed that I would at the very least be able to pop in and maybe say a few words on the chat. Because is, is it going to be a YouTube thing? So, yeah, so we're, we're so. meeting on Skype. Uh, I believe it's going to start at 8.45 British summertime mm. uh, on November the 1st. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're kind of Skyping. And then Rob from Cloister Bell is going to put it up on YouTube live. But then it's staying on YouTube for people to watch afterwards. So. Excellent. Well, I, I can't make any promises, but I will certainly do my level best to at least uh, be an enthusiastic uh, audience member, if yeah. uh, if nothing else. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And um, yeah, fingers crossed uh, some of our listeners check it out. Like Initially, um, I did say no, because I was like, look, I won't have watched it. What's the point? 
but I've been chatting to Rob from Cloyster Bell quite a bit this week. And, you know, the more he told me about it, the more it seemed a good idea. Because by the time this new season's finished, we'll have caught up. Uh, Possibly, is well, that... Well, not, 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 not fully. Not fully. All right, we'll be on our way there. I, I, I but... said yes on the assumption that, like, don't worry, I'll have caught up by the end. But I just won't have. Just every week, I'm going to be there. Like, haven't watched it, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you. Um, I mean, it's hard to say exactly how. Um, uh, how 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 much is is going to be spoiled? But but yeah, fingers crossed you'll be able to dodge major spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, that's November the first, eight forty five British summertime. And to be quite frank, it, it's going to be on YouTube, so I don't care if people can't see it; they can just watch it the next day. <laughs> Yes, indeed. That's that's the joy of YouTube. Now, do um, do you want some more good Doctor Who news, David? Why not? This this is news you all kind of already know, but we may as well share it with the listeners. Um, I, I've worked out a way to download the Doctor Who adventure games on my computer. So, <laughs> yes, you have. So I think we're going to have a little go on those sometime soon, aren't we? Yeah, that's the the uh, the ones that came out around series five. Yeah, they, so early Matt Smith. Yeah, they look like the world if I take my glasses off. <laughs> like everything's just a bit smudgy. Like I could tell it was Matt Smith. But, yeah. Like all smudgy. So yeah, I don't know. We might put that in as one of the really big quiz prizes. We might. Who knows? Well, go yeah. for that. Yeah, I've always wanted to play them. I've had this awkward thing where when they first came out, I didn't have a system that was strong enough to run them at the time. Sad as that sounds, uh, it was true. Um, And subsequently, they basically, a a couple of years after they came out, the BBC just sort of quietly (laughs) brushed them under the carpet. (laughs) And uh, I, 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 I think... You know, it's not really been a viable option for me to play them since. So uh, it'll be really nice to uh, finally have a look at them at some point, hopefully. Yeah, I'm really glad I bought a new expensive gaming PC just to play some 10-year-old Doctor Who games on it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, this was partly prompted by the fact that I said at some point we should probably do uh, the new game, The uh, uh, Edge of Reality. As well, why why Which... don't you play that and I'll play the old ones? <laughs> to be honest, it might not be quite the leap in quality between the two <laughs> you might expect. Yeah, I saw a trailer for it today, yeah. and I was just like, hmm, might just stick to the old ones. You know what? Uh, and, any it, trailer it... that ends with going, "You're the Doctor now," I was just <laughs> like, "Yeah, all right, all right." Um. Indeed. Uh, look, I, I, I forgot to mention it right at the top, uh, but so I will mention it quickly now. Um, in case anyone is wondering, I'm a little bit under the weather today, listeners. Um, I, I, in, so I sound even more annoyingly nasal than usual. <laughs> um, and there may be a bit of snuffling and coughing and spluttering. I can't do a lot about it. I've been... I've been uh, you know when you've got a cold, and it's not that bad a cold... It, it, so you're like 80% fine, 
but that 20% dip is just enough to be really annoying, but not enough to really complain about. Yeah, it's like a minor inconvenience more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, so like I haven't been able to take time off work or anything like that. It's just, I just feel a bit crap mm. all the time and have done, as I say, for about seven days at this point um, with no end in sight. So that's fun. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I, feel, I seem under the weather. If I seem uh, a little bit more tired than usual, that's probably why. Uh, but yeah. Uh, we haven't anyway. even we haven't even mentioned we've got Kablam to talk about this week to make, we ha- yes, to make you feel yeah, better. Kablam. Kablam with an exclamation mark. Yeah. All that and more to look forward to. Where do you want to start this week then, Matt? Um it's entirely up to you. Uh, oh. I almost said I don't care. <laughs> I, I do care, just I hope you care because most of these features are your doing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, I, I'm, start... I'm certain television highlight of the week was your doing. Uh, it's possible. You know what? I've got a good one for that this week, so let's do that. Go on, then. Um, so we're recording a little bit later in the week this week, aren't we, Matt? Um, yeah. We, um, we're sort of the other side of the weekend. So it's been like nine days since we last spoke, I think. Something like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that time, I've been having a little bit of a catch-up. I have caught up on the last two episodes of Loki. Okay. I also watched the final episode of What If. Okay. And I finished watching Black Widow. Right. I want you to rank them. Okay. Uh, Black Widow is coming third. Not because it is bad, but because, as I think I said when I started it the other week uh, it feels a little bit too little too late mm-hmm. do you know what I mean I, it, it's kind of frustrating to me that we're getting we're getting it after uh, spoilers for uh, endgame listeners uh, we're getting it after the character has officially been killed off and it's just like oh let's just wind the clock back and just wedge another story do, in here do all the spoilers Iron Man dies too. Um, who else? Yeah, uh, Cap- Captain America goes back in time to live oh, happily yeah. after after with Peggy. Yeah, Vision's um, dead. Yeah. Um, Thanos marries Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's to be fair that is the most touching moment in the whole. Uh, do, do you want Do you thing. want to hear a great story? I know you don't like uh, my story on. of the week. Yeah, um, go on. But this week, um, so probably tomorrow, I'm going to go watch James Bond. Uh, I, I'm, I've got a week off, and I just need to catch up. I need to basically go to the cinema every day. You know, yeah. I, I want to go see June. I want to go see Venom. Um, yeah. There's all sorts. But uh, me and all my friends have convinced one of our friends that James Bond has a post credit scene. So after he's been in the cinema for probably three hours by the time it's finished, you've got trailers and everything, he's got yeah. to sit through what I can assume is about 20 minutes of credits. <laughs> and then there's just nothing. Oh, so great. I even put in our group chat today, just like um, 
you know, I'm going to commit, I'm going to see Bond tomorrow. And everyone else was like, oh, make sure you stay, make sure you stay. Like, the post-credits is what makes it. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm in on the joke. So, That's fantastic. Yeah. You do keep us updated on that, Matt. Um, so, yeah, so you're ranking that yeah. last of the three. I think so. Um, second place, I'm probably going to give it to Loki. Because I think I enjoyed Loki. Um, there were some interesting ideas in there, so there were some good performances. Fantastic set design and uh, soundtrack. Uh, but it didn't quite come together for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um I feel like I liked it more on paper than I did in practice. And uh, top of the bill for me is What If, which was just enormous fun. I really enjoyed the diversity of tone Mm. in in What If. See, I'd I'd probably have that below Loki. I found What If a little bit inconsistent. Some episodes I thought were brilliant and then some just weren't. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, same's true for for Doctor Who, and I think it's kind of a similar thing for me. It's like that. It's when when are we going to get to these good episodes of Doctor Who? You keep promising me. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, stay tuned for our review of Kablam, listeners. Um, it's look, I I like that sort of uh, variation within a framework if you like, which is something I think that Doctor Who and What If have in common. You know, in the case of What If, it's it's, you're taking these characters and storylines that have already been established and and finding interesting ways to turn them on their head. Um, And, yeah, it doesn't always... It is definitely hit and miss. Mm. But I think... When you've got TV that is more hit and miss, that's in part a sign that it is taking bigger risks. You know, that's why I like sketch comedy so much. No one, there has never been a sketch show that is just hit after hit after hit, never a weak sketch, never an idea that doesn't quite pull off, you know, in, in the final moments. You know... Even the best sketch shows are hit and miss. Like Little Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that absolute bona fide classic um, Little Britain. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean, though, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's that's part of the appeal for me with, with, with What If. Um, yeah, I didn't love every episode equally. Um, but... Yeah, it, when it when it worked, it really worked, and I and I enjoy. I thought they did a pretty decent job of uh, pulling it together into something grander in the final two episodes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I <laughs> just like a, a deep pause for thought there. Yeah, I, I expected maybe slightly more from you there, but I'll take the I'll take the, the considered yeah. No, sorry, uh, my mind was elsewhere. I was trying to think what my <laughs> TV highlight of the week is. Um, um, yeah, because it's been the last week of term. 
Like, I watched Bake Off, but I was too tired to enjoy it. I watched Taskmaster, but I was too tired to enjoy it. Um, I don't really know. I'm still watching The American Office. Um, how's that How's that uh, working out for you? Are, are you on your... Which... Can you even tell me which watch through you're on with it? Because I know people who like it tend to just watch it over and over. Oh, this is my second. So your second full full watch through. You're not one of those people who've already like done it start to finish six times. No, no, no. Like I watched it all through, beginning to end, and then I just watched the best bits on YouTube. But this is my second yeah. like thorough watch through. Mm. Um, I know it's not a TV show, but probably my. Entertainment highlight of the week. I, I've started playing a lot of World of Warcraft. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. David, it's been a week and I'm in deep. I'm already. <laughs> I'm already level forty-three. Jeez. I've been trying to play three hours a day. Uh, have you been exceeding that? Uh, I certainly did today. <laughs> I'm off work for a week, so... You know what? I have never played an MMO, and that is a conscious decision on my part. Oh, it's, it's an absolute, like, life destroyer. Because yeah. uh, the thing is, I, I, I know myself. I know what would happen if I, uh, if I got sucked into an MMO. So I've just... Uh, I've never risked it. Yeah. In all honesty. The, the um, other night, my wife was away. She went to go see some friends. And I went to yeah. bed at half past two in the morning, just because I was playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I, know, I know you apologise for like sniffling and being unwell. I, I'm sat in a different chair today, and I'm really conscientious that people can hear it squeaking. <laughs> I, I decided that the chair that I usually sit in for recording this is the most uncomfortable chair ever. So I've swapped to a comfy chair... But it's like a noisy one if I move around in it like this. Oh dear, yeah. Is it as bad as mine though? I mean, our listeners must be familiar with this noise by now. <laughs> There's some proper creaking this this chair does. Um, anyway, uh, well, what about your meal of Let's... the week? We, yeah. we've done TV highlight. Everyone's favourite uh, segment: television highlight of the week. Okay. The segment that um, refuses to die. Right. I'm probably going to make you angry again, Matt. Um, I I've not had a great food week because, frankly, I've been I've been not really well enough to appreciate food a great deal. And on top of that, uh, we've had some issues with the electrics in our house, and so for the last few days, we've not had a working oven. And we don't own a microwave, or even a toaster, so it's been it's been challenging. We had lots of pot noodles. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been it's been instant noodles and anything we can cook on a camping stove. <laughs> um, so in, in in all honesty, this week, my my meal of the week is probably the other day I had a nice. Bowl of bran flakes with a uh, handful of sultanas on it. <laughs> yep. Just go for a quiet yep again. <laughs> you do know it's meal of the week, not prison meal of the week. 
Yeah. As a prison meal, presumably they, you'd, you'd forgo the sultanas. That's yeah. a luxury item. Well, you're going to make me look like Mr. Decadent because as we discussed <laughs> last week, uh, last weekend was my birthday. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, my wife was working quite a lot because she's started a new job now. Um, so last weekend, after we'd recorded... We went to, I think I've mentioned it on pod before, Yoke, the Egg Cafe. And compared to your bran flakes and sultanas, I had fried chicken hollandaise in a rainbow bagel with a poached egg with parmesan and truffle oil hash browns. That's quite fancy. David, it's fancy enough that it's my meal of the year. Really? Yeah, it's be- it's happened. It's beaten the anniversary cake. Wow! Birthday That's chicken. A... Whoa! I mean, to be fair, it it if I ate chicken, that that would sound very appealing to me. Mm. It it sounds pretty good. Um, do you do you think, Matt? In all likelihood, anything is going to top it this year? Uh, I don't really know because. The only thing that's really got potential is, of course, Christmas dinner. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. But my mum and dad are going to my brother's for Christmas this year. Um, and I, last year we went to my wife's like grandparents. And I don't think we can go there this year because they're quite unwell. So yeah. like, I, I think Christmas is probably just going to be me and my wife in the house. And it's just going to be like that little little tinge of sadness that might ruin our Christmas dinner. You see, honestly, my partner and I love it when we when we can get away with having the Christmas, just the two of us. There's three of you now, David. And there are three of us now. I'll just remind you, you've got a little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is, in the past, pre-Absorbaloff, when we had the chance to just have a Christmas, just the two of us, it was... Some of the best Christmases I've ever had, in all honesty. Uh, but, you know, that's what having two introverts <laughs> will uh, do. The worst um, thing is, if it was just the two of us, it'd be fine. But I guess my bloody mother-in-law will invite herself around. <laughs> they lock the doors. It's Halloween next <sighs> week. I'm going to do the same at Christmas. Shut all the curtains and pretend I'm not home. I love how you seem to genuinely have a sort of Bernard Manning level style disdain for your mother in law. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's no, you're keeping the old traditions alive, man. You know, it's, like, it's, it's charming. I'd love to crack jokes like that and just go, ah, she's all right, really. She's not. <laughs> <laughs> that was the wrong moment to take a sip of tea. <coughs> oh. <laughs> You know, I know it's tradition to, like, joke about your mother-in-law, but I don't find this funny. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, well. (laughs) On the other end of the spectrum... It's going to be be one of them episodes this week. Yeah, I was going to say... Matt, whilst we're whilst we're you know on the subject and in 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 the spirit of of honesty, uh, such as you've shown us there, as I I love my mum, right? I absolutely love my mum. She's fantastic, but in terms of just 
someone who's good to hang out with, I actually prefer my partner's mum. Oh, really? We have more in common. Oh, no. I, given, <laughs> yeah. given the choice, uh, it'd definitely be my mum. But I, yeah. again, I might just take secret option number three, which is just hang out by myself. Ah, oh, that's... If, if it's available, then secret option number three is always the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, listeners, Bear if, with if, me one if moment, you hate your mother-in-law, why not get in touch at uh, timenospacepod at gmail.com. So, I think all we have to do left now is the Wheelie Big Quiz. Wheelie Big Quiz. Right, okay. I'm already nervous because it's the Cloyster Bell setting the questions this week. On top of that... It is. On, on top of that, I, 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 I am not on top form. I had a poor showing last week. I've been ill in the intervening days. Um, I'm not feeling confident, Matt. I'll put it that way. Well, do you want me to cheer you up with some good news? Of course. This week... We had donations from, of course, Jacobus X. Yep. We then had a donation of 50 Australian dollary dues from Marty McLean. Ah, thank you, Marty. Marty, Marty, Marty. Marty, 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 Marty. You know, when when you're down and you need someone to pick you up, you know who's going to be there for you, don't you? <laughs> and then yes, indeed. We had another one where it said, "Hold on, I'm going to have to read this joke, David, because I hope whoever it is is uh, proud of themselves." Do you want to talk to the listeners whilst I just load this up a second, David? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. Uh, hello, listeners. Um... If you've been on the fence about uh, getting a BritBox subscription, do remember Sapphire and Steel is on there. It's all right. It I've got it. Fantastic. I've got it. Time to stop talking. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, so, as, I, was, I, I had a lot more to say about Sapphire and Steel. Uh, just, I'm sorry. Just so the listeners know. The window's know. shut. So, yeah. We had Martin McLean. He sent us a nice donation that said, Good day, lads. Hope you're well. Work is slowing down, so I'll be able to catch up to you soon. 50 nice. Australian dollary dues. We then had Jacobus X, who got six out of six last week, David. Yeah. And then... Um, we got, I, 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 what can I say? What can I say? You know. We got one from a listener called Big Fish. I think that's from when I was making jokes about Big Finish, writing stories about oh, yeah. the Big Fish. And it says, David, when you and I make soup, why is it always so bland? I don't know. Uh, it's because we use neither the thyme nor the spice. <laughs> they gave us ten quid, so I'll read that joke out. But uh... Right, so, because of that now, David, 
Yeah. We've now hit a total of over £125. That's amazing. So that's enough for us to supply uh, crutches for four patients who have leg injuries. Uh, I mean, yeah, fantastic. That's, you know, it might not sound like a lot, but, uh, you know, th that those kinds of basic provisions can make such a, a difference in the places where they're, they're needed. And also... That ticks us over the £100 threshold, David. Now, yep. my memory's not that great, but am I right in thinking you're going to drink a pint of beans? <laughs> you know, uh, I think you might have that slightly topsy-turvy, Matt. Oh, the pint of beans is going to drink you. <laughs> uh, was it not you this year who was going to be drinking the beans? Yeah... Do I just do it next week, or do I wait until we're closer to Christmas? Uh, entirely up to you, Matt. So long as before the year is out, those right. beans have been down, downed on pod. I, I might save it closer to Christmas. Yeah, why don't, you, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you, you know, take the time to source yourself some fancy pants, gourmet beans. Pop over to Booth's. Yeah, I probably Spend will. five pounds on a tin of beans. I'll probably go to that nice restaurant where I live that does homemade baked beans. <laughs> and see if they'll do me a pint. But that also means, David, we're only £25 away from a Dimensions in Time bonus episode. Oh, yes. I mean... That's going to be something special. Yeah, I mean... We might as well admit it. We've already recorded it, and it's absolutely—it's absolutely, we have. It's we... absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm think looking forward it's... to sharing that one with the listeners. I think that's going to go down in history as one of our better episodes, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. All I can remember from it is just basically laughing the entire time. Uh, all I remember is at one minute. Um, I just stop proceedings and just shout, I hate this as loud as I can. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you want us to release that, £25 will get a Dimensions in Time bonus episode. Yeah, I mean, that's all we need to get us over the threshold. We've, we've recorded it. It's probably going to come out at Christmas anyway, but just give us some yeah, money, all right? We, yeah, please. It would be nice. Right, um, that takes us to okay, this then. week, David. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, so, as always, six questions. The usual topics. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely plagiarised from the Trivial Pursuit Doctor Who game. Questions this week submitted by the Cloister Bell podcast. David, are you sitting comfortably? Uh, I mean... I was up until the point that, that, that we initiated the, the, this segment of the show. Okay. Right. Question one, David. Yes. Which witty little knitter supposedly knitted the fourth Doctor's scarf? There are, oh. there are multiple choice answers for all questions today, David. Okay. That's, that's a mercy. <laughs> okay. Go for it. The answers are Madame Nostradamus, Madame Tussauds, Madame Vastra, or Madame de Pompadour? I believe it's Madame Nostradamus. 
David, that's one pound in the bank this week. Yes. Okay. Question two. Who famously wore bubble wrap in The Five Doctors? Is it A, Tegan, B, Sarah Jane, C, Susan, or 4, Zoe? Mm, bubble wrap. Oh, it's so long since I've seen The Five Doctors. I've been kind of avoiding re-watching it because I knew we were going to cover it one day on this pod. And I kind of regret not having watched it more than once right now. Um, oh, give me the options again. Is it Tegan, Sarah Jane, Susan or Zoe? Okay. Zoe is the only one of those from the future, I believe. So let's go with Zoe. David, you're two for two this week. Yes. Okay, question three. Which series of modern Doctor Who had a one-week mid-series break because of the football and featured a more comprehensive coming soon trailer instead of a next time trailer? Is it A, series one, two, Series 3, C, Series 5, or 4, Series 7? Are you deliberately mixing up A's and B's and... and yeah, I'm just trying, to, and just trying to throw a spanner in the works this week. Yeah, it's working. It's distracting me from the answers. I, I don't know this. Um, so, I'll, I'll read like them again should. sensibly. Yeah, go on. Okay, so which series of Modern Doctor Who had a one-week mid-series break because of the football and featured a more comprehensive coming soon trailer instead of a next time trailer? Is it series one, series three, series five, or series seven? Okay. I'm sure the break was longer than one week for series seven. Um, I don't recall this. Which means it well, probably was RTD, uh, because that I was a more of a casual viewer when those were first going out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Series 3. Speaking of three, that is three questions correct so far this week. Oh, oh thank goodness. These have all been punts, by the way. Okay. Question four. On which date... Was part four of the Tenth Planet originally broadcast? What are the options? 24th of July 1965, 29th okay. of October 1966, 21st of June 1969, or the 2nd of January 1970. Okay, so part four of the Tenth Planet was uh, Hartnell regenerating into Troughton. Sorry, spoilers, listeners. <laughs> I mean, you should have already listened to our episode where we covered it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so mathematically, uh, Hartnell did about... He only did at maximum three years. So... November 66, what was, so the options were 60... There's the 20, 24th of July 1965, 
Yeah. 20, or... 29th of October, 1966. Okay, I don't need to hear the others because I'm, I'm, I'm narrowing it down to between those two. So, July 65 or October 66? Yeah. I'm going to say October 66. David, that's four out of four. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm going to change the order of the questions because I think one's easier than the other. Okay. Okay, because there's one question even I knew the answer to. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is this question, question five. Where was the 1996 Doctor Who TV movie filmed? Would you like the multiple choice? I would like the multiple choice just to help narrow it down. Okay, is it the United States, the United Kingdom, Brazil, or Canada? Ah, it's Canada. Uh, I, I assumed they would not want to know the specific city, and I was thinking, oh, was it Vancouver or was it Toronto? Yeah. Um, but, I remember because um, it aired in Canada first, didn't it? That was its. Yes, it, it was a yeah, it was a weird thing, but yeah. Um, so yeah. Right. Canada is my answer. And, David, if you get this, it's six out of six. So to okay. add to the glory, I might remove the multiple choice. Oh, okay. I mean, we'll see what happens. Because if, eh? if you get this right, this will be your greatest victory ever. Question five. Mm-hmm. What is the full name of the creature controlling Satellite 5 in the long game? <laughs> I'm never going to get the full name without multiple choice. Right. You have. It's it's a something or a holy... Something or the Jagrafess. Right. Is it the mighty Jagrafess of the holy Hadrajasic Maxerodenfo? Mm-hmm. Or is it the holy Jagrafess of the mighty Maxerodenfo Maxeroden, Hadrosic? Uh, so it's all the same words, but the other way around. Uh, so is it the mighty Jagrafess of the holy Hadrajasic Maxerodenfo, or the holy Jagrafess of the mighty Maxerodenfo Hadrasic? I think it's the first of those, the mighty Jagrafess of the holy... David, can you just stand up for me a second? I, I can. David, take a bow. It's six out of six. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Oh, wow. I can't believe that's actually happened. It's like you've won the World Cup. I mean, it feels that way. I can only imagine that that's how this feels. Uh, That feels... um, It is worth saying that your little boy's in bed. That's why you're not screaming and shouting like normal. Yeah, yeah, that is the main reason. But, I mean, uh, speaking of which, obviously, I need to give thanks to... um, to little Absorbaloff for all his support and, and encouragement over these months of training. Um, my partner, obviously, um, my my coach and my agent. They've you know 
and most importantly to you, the fans, for supporting me through, through, through this. Um, it's been a tough ride, but we got there. Um, I've won the weedy big quiz. We never have to do it again. Um, we can, you know, it, it's over. David, yeah. Yep. What if I told you next week? You're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't want people thinking that's it. We're stop being charitable. <laughs> right, this is going up until Christmas. It's our little Christmas uh, running. I was trying. I was trying to Jedi mind trick you there. <laughs> what if I told you, David, next week? Yeah. Your questions yeah. are being supplied by the Who Can Convince You podcast. Uh, oh, okay. All right then. Again, I mean, it. I, I, I always get Harry and Luke uh, confused as to who, who's who, but uh, I think it's Harry is the one who is very up on his classic who. Mm. Um, and classic who's my weaker of the two. Yeah. Well, so the good news is they're actually going to submit their questions via audio. Oh, lovely. I look forward to that. Uh, you won't get to hear it. You'll get me reading the questions, then editing that audio in. So uh... Okay. Fun times. But, yeah, oh, great. I look forward to that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean... You, you don't know the what trouble to is... say, do you? you? I don't, because... You've been a real is, downer. I've... Oh, I don't feel well, this, that and the other. But now <laughs> it's the pinnacle of your existence. Yeah, but now the thing is, I've, I've peaked, Matt. Yeah. It's happened. It is all downhill from here. Not just in the weenie big quiz, just in life. This is my highest moment. <laughs> you know, I've never risen higher and I'll never fall so low. David, fall yes. is temporary. Class is forever. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the Doctor oh, Who spin-off I... class, which got cancelled after one series. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of class discourse over the last uh, few days on Twitter because it's it's uh, the fifth anniversary, I think. Yeah. Of class. Um, what's our target for doing uh, doing a bonus episode on class? Uh, let me have a look. I'll just pull that up. Do you want to talk to the listeners, David, whilst I do? Yep, so I'm halfway through. Doesn't matter because I already had it. Okay, Uh, so uh, £150 dimensions in time, £200. I think that's where I'm going to put the computer games because before that I just had put David might host an episode dressed only in his pants. (laughs) Uh, £250, we were going to do something musical. £300 was the Five Doctors bonus episode where we can see Zoe wrapped up in some bubble wrap. Ah, you're looking forward to that. But £324, so another £200, which is easily doable. Yeah. We watch the entire series of class and chat about it in a bonus episode, which means I'll probably have to watch all of class in one sitting. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I haven't got time here and there. Like, I need a Saturday when my wife's at work and I'll just watch all of it in one go. Yeah, that's not... We're not going to be happy buddies, I don't think, on that episode. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to be open to it. I would love to be surprised by class. 
because uh, I, I did write it off after a couple of episodes and people say it gets better as it goes on. So Couldn't get any worse. <laughs> that's certainly been my impression overall. Um, all right then, Matt. I think it's time for us to talk about Kablam. David, you want it. Kablam it. <laughs> Have you got any uh, list of thoughts on this episode for us? Uh, you know I do. I do actually have to find these on my phone, so you can talk to the listeners now if you want. Okay, great. So, assignment four. Uh, uh, sorry, ass- assi- assignment two. I've just w- I watched the fourth episode recently. Um, oh, it's amazing. It's th- th- That atmosphere in Sapphire and Steel is like nothing I've seen before. I mean, it doesn't make a lick of sense but it just doesn't matter. The performances, yeah, yeah, even yeah, how yeah, theatrical yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, 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 y
Super misogynistic take there. Okay, then we have a message from Frank. Say hello, David. Hello, Frank. That was a test. You were supposed to say kablam. <coughs> Sorry, kablam. Hello, Frank. Right. Worker gets rad radicalised by an exploitive and abusive planet-wide company town. The solution is to murder him and give the company managers a little slap on the wrist. Imagine if Oxygen ended with it turning out to be one of the workers and Capaldi and Clara just kill them and go home. This is, this is one of the few times I wouldn't have minded a Chibnall-era sappy, breachy speech. I mean, the lives of the abused workers we meet aren't improved at the end at all. Really odd episode. It's a shame, too, because it was on quite a roll until the last third. It's not even bad, technically speaking, just extremely misguided. It's almost like they wanted to make another Oxygen, but wussed out because they based Kablam on a real company. Yeah, um, it's not not an uncommon take on this story, but uh, again, something we, we'll have to address when we when we get to it. Also, kablam! Okay, do you want to say hello to the curator, BT Flibbity Giggard? Hello, curator. So, BT says, So remember how I said that 13's definition of progress in Saranga Conundrum was a nitpick that became a larger issue later in the season? Well, this is the episode. Let me be perfectly clear, I despise this episode. There are not enough words in the English language to describe how much I despise this episode. Its moral goes beyond the moral muddiness of some previous Chibnall-era episodes. It's actively rancid. And not only is it actively rancid, it wants to pat itself on the back for some half-arsed, half-baked commentary that doesn't come close to being what any reasonable person would see as insightful or forward-thinking in their sci-fi. I've seen better class commentary on the back of cereal boxes. The fact that this one comes... Sorry, the fact that this comes one season after Oxygen, from an era that was touting itself as better and more socially conscious than the previous era, proves that Chibnall, for all his big talk, doesn't have a goddamn idea what he's doing when it comes to morality. Not just woke politics, actual morality. This is my least favourite episode of Doctor Who ever, bar none. And the people who wanted Pete McTie to take over as showrunner from Chibnall are either incapable of media literacy or delusional. I mean, it, it, it goes on like this for a bit, David. I can imagine. Okay. I'm not going to do it in one deep breath. I think I'd pass out this week. <laughs> so we start off with a bad look. The Doctor's a Disney adult, but for Space Amazon. Now, if this had been a case of the Doctor learns she's wrong, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But it's not even an element. If Space Amazon was Disney, the Doctor would be the type of person who justifies Disney filming Mulan in the same area as the Chinese... I can't say that word. Uyghur concentration camps because of nostalgia. Then we get to Space Amazon itself. The biggest sin of this episode is that it uses actual abuses by Amazon within its storytelling, and then it pulls the rug out for the sake of comfy middle-class morals and a cheap twist. Space Amazon workers are overworked, underpaid, berated by their bosses, told to be happy and even have a... sorry, told to be happy to even have a job. But we're not going to address all that. No, it's not the system that's the problem, it's the one bad supervisor, and he's promised to be a little bit nicer so it's all okay. 
Never mind that the chronic underemployment and overwork of the planet, space, Amazon orbits still exist. Never mind that Dan only rarely saw his daughter and Kira couldn't afford to buy herself any of the products she packaged. They're going to hire a few more people so everything is hunky and then they swear. Hunky effing dory I'm going to say. The systems aren't the problem. How the people use and exploit the system, that's the problem. I have seen so many people try to justify this rancid awful line. Oh, it's not about the system, as we use the word in this same exact context. It's specifically about Space Amazon's automation. Wrong in two distinct and rancid ways. 1. Even if that were the case, even if we threw all context and media literacy out the window, Space Amazon's automated system sucks. It micromanages, it constantly monitors the workers, it apparently has a protocol that just allows it to fridge female characters. Has McTai... Uh, I think there might be a message missing there. Uh, number two, more importantly, words have meaning. The use of system in this context was clearly meant to reflect the use of system within the real world. In the same way suits is used as a cheeky pun in oxygen. The difference is that 12 was fighting the suits, whilst 13 is upholding the system. Both the automated system and the system as a framework in which the abuses of Space Amazon are encouraged and rewarded. In the real world, the system isn't some unstoppable force. It's made up of people at every level who create and uphold the structure that screws over the workers. Why can't the HR lady, no matter how good her intentions, make the lives of the workers better? Well, because of the rules and structure in place. Why are the rules and structure in place in that way? Because it's encouraged by the economic framework that Space Amazon operates in. Underpaying and overworking the workers is rewarded. Being half-decent person is not only discouraged, but punished. The worst companies rise to the top. It's not the system, it's the people exploiting the system doesn't work on a fundamental level. It's the equivalent of saying it's not the police as an institution, it's a few bad apples. The bad apples are encouraged and rewarded by the institution they operate in. The system works because people are being exploited. There's more I could say about how bad this episode is on every level. The set design is awful. Why is the packing, packaging area blue? Why are there no railings on the conveyors to keep the packages from falling off the side? The general production design is just bad. Why is every package the same size? Are there no bed frames or window blinds or, you know, things larger than 12 by 12 in the future? The only good thing about this episode is that we know that 12 helped destroy capitalism, so presumably Space Amazon got destroyed after oxygen. I'm generally a positive person about Doctor Who, so when I say an episode is irredeemable, I mean it. Kaplan isn't just bad, it's actively harmful. Screw Amazon, and if you're in the Teamsters Union, vote O'Brien so the next UPS negotiation doesn't screw people over again. Wow. Kablab. Just, just send me a message, BT, just to make sure you're okay. You seem angry. <laughs> I know you don't like this episode, and I get some of your points, but... Wowzers. Usually such a positive yeah. force, but... Yeah, this... Uh, can you tell, Matt, that this was a bit of a divisive one when it first went out? Um, it's it, it really polarised opinion. I know, because we've got pretty much the opposite opinion, but then it's from Mr. James Courtney. Say hello, David. 
Hello, James. This is the last message, don't worry. I feel like you Excellent. were on the precipice of making a good point there. And I'm sorry. Uh, potentially. No, it's all right. Right. So, James says, Good evening, Matt and David. I hope both of you are well and full of beans. Ha 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 Look at me, I'm James Courtney, a comedian. It's worth saying it was James's £10 that took us over the £100. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, when we finish laughing at that, David, James says, yeah. Right then, kablam. I quite enjoyed this episode on First Watch. It's definitely my favourite of the sci-fi stories this series. And that hasn't changed after a rewatch. Now, this episode can certainly be controversial amongst some of the fandom. And I find that utterly fascinating and possibly somewhat hypocritical. There are a lot of different themes in this episode, along with a lot of characters, so in some sense I can understand the criticism. I'm not sure this story has all the space to properly explore it, and it turns out I don't either. The main plot of the episode is about Charlie. Similarly to last week's episode, he has been radicalised by events off-screen and is planning to disrupt the systems that have hurt him. In the background to this, we also have the Amazon-styled warehouse which exists in a highly automated society. This background gives motivation to Charlie and ends with the Doctor opposing him. Pete McTie's biggest strength in, is in the character work. This is particularly true with Charlie and Kira. However, I don't think that then works against the revelation that Charlie is a domestic terrorist, or revolutionary depending on your view, trying to change his world system. There are plenty of ideas in it, although I'm not sure they all entirely mesh together. And having read about the behind the scenes of this era, I'm not so surprised. This was the first series of Doctor Who to use a writer's room instead of just being the showrunner. A writer for a future episode talked about how different ideas were added to their script from different writers. I wonder if this is what has happened here, and perhaps in many of the stories of this era. They so often lack the central focus of, on one idea that past ideas did. Uh... Then he also says, whilst preparing these notes, I did manage to uh, find Matt's opinion on this story. Um, if you listen to the Married to Who episode, David, of Kablam, James writes yeah. a big, long essay like this, and then at the end I just went, I, I haven't seen this episode, so can you attribute all James's <laughs> thoughts and opinions <laughs> to me? And I got away with it. Excellent. So, sorry about how much there is to read, but if you think that is long, you should see what I cut out. Some time back I did promise an essay on Doctor Who and politics, intending for it to be this episode. I think I'll now make that its own thing and include other episodes. Okay. And then I said, don't worry about writing too much. I bet I can read it all in one breath. Uh, but I didn't try. <laughs> well, uh, thank you as always to everyone who... Uh, oh, kablam. Uh, thank, thank you as always to, to all of our listeners for, who've uh, shared their thoughts uh, it's, it's so nice actually with an episode like this which was so divisive to hear a lot of the different conversations that that cropped up pretty soon after, after the episode aired and uh, to be honest pretty much have continued ever since this is one that I don't think it's ever going to be settled I don't think we're ever going to reach a point as a fandom and be like, we all broadly agree on whether or not Kablam is a good or bad episode of Doctor Who. Or I think I David, think... that's literally what we're about to do. <laughs> okay, great. Definitively. Tell us, 
Tell us, Matt, is Kablam a good episode of Doctor Who? Um, I think this is maybe my favourite episode of the series so far. Yeah. I, I, I might go good episode, some bad bits. But yeah. on the whole, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's interesting, I think. I, I noticed one person said that it was the most Moffaty episode we've had yeah, so far Yeah, I think this that's series. why I liked it. And also, but some, but I think it was Jake actually said that it could have slotted into sort of series two, Tennant and Rose. I think both of those observations are correct. Yeah. So I, want, I don't. I want I think old it's... fashioned, rompy, just <coughs> running round episodes. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I don't want just Graham doing big long speeches and everyone learns a lesson. Yeah, there is a sense of fun and playfulness to this one. Um... And I think, unfortunately, it that doesn't make it any less of a bitter pill to swallow, um, for a lot of viewers. And I, and and I and I want to be clear. I totally understand anyone who 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 comes away and says that left a horrible taste in my mouth, and I just cannot be doing with it. I get it. Trust me, I get it. However, I think. I think I'm just going to have to share my thoughts on this up top, j- just so we can we can we can get it out of the way and move on with talking about the nuts and bolts of the story. Um, so basically, I think this story's strength is also its biggest weakness, and that is that that it chose the setting of space Amazon to tell this story as it as is you know commonly referred to Kablam. It it's it's a very thinly veiled sort of semi-satirical take on Amazon um, which is a very timely, very pertinent and very important topic you know, if you look at how it dominates our global economy and the sort of employment practices that it has which are you know, unambiguously abhorrent Um, the thing is I don't think Pete McTighe ever intended this story to be an anti-Amazon story, nor for that matter, um, you know, really seriously address any of the issues around Amazon's employment practices. I think that was a vehicle for the actual point that he wanted to make, which is about radicalisation and terrorism. This is not an anti uh, 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 an anti automation story, I, so much as an anti terrorism story, and in order to sell that idea, he had to choose a cause for our central terrorist that was, in some way, uh, sympathetic. If you like, I don't think anyone watching this episode, or at least anyone with with a, with an ounce of compassion would be sat there thinking um yeah no i don't give a don't give a shit about um amazon's working practices you know treat people like cattle as long as i get my uh my dvds on time well i, I couldn't think of anything other than who's ordering dvds <laughs> in 2020 i mean actually the answer is dr who fans but uh, anyway um th- but you get the point i'm making i, I think you could you could have supplanted Amazon's working practices with any other sort of cause, if you like, and transplanted 
a lot of this story into in order to make it roughly the same point, which is that um, essentially, no matter how noble your cause is, if you are if you resort to taking innocent lives to try and affect change, you you've gone off the deep end. Um, that that's my takeaway from it anyway. Um, and I think the problem really arises from the fact that because Pete McTide shows space Amazon and automation as the theme, that you know, uh, the 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 mannequin on which to hang this particular hat, that he kind of. I'm mixing my metaphors here, kind of shot himself in the foot by doing that. Because it's such it's such a thorny issue. Mm-hmm. Such a timely issue that people want they want stories that are actually angry about the the the, the, the awful things that are taking place in Amazon warehouses right now. And that's not what this episode is. It's not remotely attempting to seriously do that. And that is very frustrating for people. And I get that. So what I kind of have to do with this episode, in order to appreciate it, I kind of have to try and take a step back from that and appreciate it on the terms on which it is being presented, which is not as a commentary on uh, on Amazon or any other kind of... Um, you know, mega corporation, but actually, you know, a commentary on the perils of radicalization on any side of the political spectrum. That's my takeaway anyway. Um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Matt. Or... No, I, I, I just like the bit with all the conveyor belts. <laughs> really? That's my least favourite bit. Oh, it was a bit like the Star Wars prequels. That's all I could think of. <laughs> Um, uh, okay let's I I think we just gotta we just gotta kind of round through this one then we'll we'll, we'll hopefully find some other bits to to praise as we as we go along right so this is Kerblam it's from season 11 it is episode 8 it is uh, written by Pete McTie directed by Jennifer Perrot Perrot we can never work that out can, can I say, Matt, does it feel weird to you that we've done eight episodes of uh, Jodie Whittaker already? Uh, I, I think I can name about three of them. It's it's funny, isn't it? it? It's sort of... This series really does just sort of drift past aimlessly. Right, we've done this one. We've done Rosa Parks. We did the one in India. And we did the first one. Yeah. After that, I couldn't tell you the other four. <laughs> Let's have a look. Let me just flick back a second. Yeah, Woman yeah. For Who Fell to Earth, remember that. Ghost Monument. Rosa. Arachnids in the UK. Yeah, big spiders. How could you forget arachnids in the UK, Matt? Uh, Saranga Conundra. Demons of the Punjab. Uh, Dimensions in Time. Then Kablam. Oh, so this is... Is this seven then, rather than? No, this is this, might be this is episode eight. Oh, um, 
Lauren Hill Foulsworth, 1. Ghost Monument, 2. Rosa, 3. Arachnids, 4. Uh, Saranga Conundrum, 5. No. Demons of the Punjab, 6. Oh, yeah, it must be, it yeah, must seven. be 7. Is it? Yeah, 7. Hold on. Let me just check the Wikipedia. Yeah, no, that, I, think, I think that's right. I think that's right. Oh, yeah. For some reason, it says Kablam is the seventh episode. I don't know why I put eight. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, uh, e either way, you were f perfectly willing to believe that we had, in fact, watched eight at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah. this episode is from the 18th of November, 2018. It is. David... Join me in the TARDIS as we go back to the 17th of November, 2018, Ooh. to listen to our episode, Patriarchs and Paradoxes. Oh, that would be Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah. Yep. Seems a lifetime ago. Basically feels like another TV yeah. show. Can you believe yeah. these are the same programme? You know, I think... I, I will say, I don't know if I mentioned this on par before... Our Father's Day episode was, I think, the moment that I really started enjoying doing this. Really? Yeah, just because of the way you lost your shit when I told you. <laughs> that they never come back. <laughs> the Reavers never come They're back. They're coming back, like RTD. I, I read an interview with him where he said, don't worry, the Reavers are back. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Um, right, okay. Uh, let's let's talk about Kablam. Right. For a bit. And then we can go to bed. Do you think I could read the whole episode in one breath? <laughs> Give it a go if you like. We'll see how far you get. <laughs> right. Here we go. One breath. Episode review. There's some TARDIS problems. There's a teleport pulse, a Kablam man. He's there for a delivery for the Doctor. The Kablam is basically Amazon. It delivers affairs. Yaz sees a card that says, help me. They go to the moon of Kandoka. They go undercover and pose as workers. The receptionist is Haley from Coronation Street. Lee Mark works there. Power fails whilst being allocated jobs. The group is separated for jobs. Uh, okay, okay. I'll we'll pause there. <laughs> right, so... Is this how we're going to do first. reviews? I'll just read as much as I can. And if there's anything <laughs> worth talking about, we'll dissect it afterwards. It sounds efficient. Uh, right, okay. let's go back to the beginning. So there's some TARDIS problems because there's a teleport pulse coming aboard. It's yeah. a Kabam man with a delivery for the Doctor. And it delivers the fez. Is this where okay. the Doctor gets their fez? Because we've uh, no, seen it in the past, haven't we? It, the first time the Doctor gets his fez, I believe it's he steals it from a museum display mm. in uh, the Big Bang. That's right. But from that point on, he's into fezes. Um, I love that callback. Because I feel like it's been just long enough that you can do proper nostalgic callbacks to the, mm. to the uh, 11th Doctor. Yeah. So, Yaz um, sees the card on the delivery, says, help me. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, I did want to also ask, how do you feel about the design of the Kablam Man? I love it. Yeah, me too. I, I love the the scary, like, positivity. Exactly. It, they, they, they absolutely nail that sense of, like, oh, someone would design this and think it looks friendly and cute, but... 
you can't quite erase the the creepy, uh, like uncanny valley quality of a a a, a humanoid robot. Mm. So try to make it friendly, but and give it a sort of cutesy nineteen fifties nostalgia mm. element. But the end result is just pure nightmare <laughs> fuel. Yeah. It's absolutely bang on piece of, de- of prop design. Love it. So they go to the moon of Kandoka. That's where Kablam is based. And they go undercover to pose as workers. Yeah. And this is where we meet Judy Maddox. Yeah. Who is... What is it? Is it like Chief of People? Yes, Head of People. Head of People. I believe. Uh, and she is playing... Which is, is a totally believably nauseating job title. Mm. Especially because she's got that like boundless positivity. So the yes. way she says it, yeah. it's almost as if it's a title that means something even though it obviously doesn't. Yeah, she's very well cast in this, I think. Yeah, so it's played by Julie Claire, and I can't pronounce this, Hesmondhal? Who, I'll take you away. Who played Haley Cropper in Coronation Street? Who I right. think I'm right in saying was the first openly transgender character, certainly in British soaps, maybe not on British yeah. television, but that was like the big, like uh, storyline. And then I'm pretty certain as well. It was the first character that underwent like euthanasia in Coronation Street. Oh crikey! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So she's pretty well. A bit more positive in this than that, like than that <laughs> yeah. But yeah, really well cast. Really liked it. Yeah. Um, and also Lee Mack works there. He does. Yeah. Dan Cooper. But he's playing Lee Mack. Let's be well, honest. Yeah, I must admit, throughout my notes, because I think it's only right at the beginning. He goes, "My name's Dan." Uh, I've yeah. just gone, oh, it's just Lee Mack. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's fine. You know, he's a fan. And, you know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of akin to, I don't know, Frank Skinner in Mummy on the Orient Express. Yeah. It's sort of like celebrity fan, not necessarily... Uh, uh, he's not a, an actor with a particularly broad range, but right the right part for him, and he's absolutely great in it and i think he's he is good in this and and as i forget which of our tweeters said it, but but in hindsight it's a shame we didn't get a little more of him i think yeah uh so the power fails whilst the tardis team have been allocated jobs yeah. and the doctor switches a few jobs around using the sonic screwdriver and they are separated so the doctor goes with ryan to dispatch to find out who sent the card yeah. And this is where we get the first mention of the fact that Kandoka has a law that every workforce needs to be 10% minimum humans. Yeah. Okay. They meet Kira. And I'll be honest, David, when I was reading our listener tweets, no two tweets spelled Kira the same way. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. I've just re- how does it spell? How, do, uh, how does Wikipedia have it? Uh, that's a good point. If I've got this right. Oh, I've spelt it kind of the same. They spell it K-I-R-A. So it's like oh, right. a okay. That would have been my guess. Oh, see, I went yeah. K-E-I-R-A. 
Yeah. Which is the proper spelling. Right. But anyway, she talks a lot. She does. And yeah. She seems nice, though. Yeah. Uh, Yaz works with Lee Mack. He explains there's constant surveillance, so, you know, they can't be stood around chatting. And he has a daughter. Yeah. And whilst they're talking, Yaz gets buzzed to go collect a certain item. And Lee Mack warns her and says, you know, don't go down to that part of the warehouse. The last person who did disappeared. Yeah. Okay. We're then introduced to Mr. Slade. Yeah. Who is... He... No, go on. He's, I've just put, he's the warehouse manager and he's a bad bloke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's not subtle, is it? But with with the the the, the tasteless pinstripe suit and the uh, the goatee, and I don't know where they. I've not seen that bloke in anything else, but he's so good at instantly exuding that sort of like, oh, that's not a good boss to have. Vibe. Um, he was in Ashes to Ashes, uh, Casualty, EastEnders. Uh, he was in. Do you remember the TV show The Queen's Nose? Oh, I do remember The Queen's Nose. Yeah, I'm going to see who he was in that. He couldn't have been. He could have been uh, that that old in in that then. No, uh, it hasn't got a proper cast list. But uh, I'll check that later for my own curiosity. Yeah, I wonder if he if he would have been one of the child actors because he he looked to be in his sort of what. Late thirties, there. Yeah. So, um, he couldn't have been more than late teens, early twenties when the Queen's Nose was being made. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just now going down an IMDb path. Hold on. Uh, imagine if you like one of our overseas listeners that just doesn't know <laughs> what the Queen's Nose is. We're not going to explain it for you. Uh, he played. <laughs> You're going to have to find out yourself. He played Gregory. Um, right. So I, you see, I, it's so long. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you anyone's um, name. Well, his IMDb's only got one picture on it, so I can't uh, see what else he was in. Yeah, we'll have to do a Queen's No spin-off podcast at some yeah, point. Yeah, that is it. Then we'll get to the bottom of it. That is a thread I'm going to pull out tonight when I'm in bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was also in the Tomorrow People. Wow. <sighs> uh, what the original or the remake? Uh, it was in the 1992. TV series, right? Okay, so Which is that one I remember. The first, the first remake, I think. I'm going because to... wasn't the original Tomorrow People was that not late seventies? I think. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, like I, I'm going down a real rabbit hole here, because then the Tomorrow People starred Christian Schmidt, who was like one of the. I, I'm going to stop. He <laughs> was one of those nineties actors that I just like all of a sudden just remembered. And I could, <laughs> but never mind. Right. Let's crack on. Let's crack right. on. So, yeah, he's a bad bloke, and Kira mentioned staff have been vanishing. Uh, whilst this is going on, Lee Mack is grabbed by a Kablam man. And whilst Yaz goes to look for him, because she, he takes her order, doesn't he? So, he's going to go get the thing that was going to lead to Yaz getting attacked. And yeah. Yaz goes to see what's going on once he's been grabbed and he's a scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yaz finds his necklace that says Dad on it after he's told her a story about his daughter and then mm-hmm. runs away from the Kablam men. 
But whilst all this has been going on, we see where Graham's been placed for his uh, yep. his job, and he's just basically like the maintenance man, isn't he? Yeah. Caretaker, cleaner. Uh, he's been listening to like half an hour of briefings about don't drink the chemicals, mm-hmm. and he's introduced to Charlie, the other maintenance man. Yeah. And whilst they're chatting, there's another big power failure. So everybody's sent to the home zone where they go for a break and it's obvious that Kira and Charlie have some sort of chemistry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go to complain to Mr. Slade about losing Lee Mack and whilst this is happening, the Doctor's still trying to work out where the help note came from. So I, I didn't understand this bit. Like, after they've talked to Slade... The Doctor just goes, oh, should we just hide in this bit of wall that somehow moves for some reason? It's a panelled alcove, I believe. Yeah, but are they common? How did she know it was there? <laughs> I think it's just the way it's shot more than anything. It's just a common... Buildings have alcoves. Yeah, but you... the point of an alcove is you can put stuff in it. You don't panel it up. This is... I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Right, so they hide in the panelled alcove till Slade leaves and are immediately caught by Judy from earlier. Yeah. Uh, It turns out that Slade knew seven people were missing and uh, they believe... Yeah, them on lovely lovely little printouts. Yeah, because he's been keeping... Well, I'll I'll tell you that in a second. Uh, So they think he's covering up the missing people. Mm Mm-hmm. The power goes out again, but this time there's one Kablam man still alive. Yeah. For all of three seconds till its head falls off. You know, at this point, I do like how it becomes... It gets just a teensy bit Poirot, this episode, doesn't it? Because you have... You have the, 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 the shitty boss, and he's got the suspicious list of all the victims and stuff but you're like it feels too obvious and you know it's a little too early in the episode for that so it's like oh what if it's actually you know smiley head of people lady instead you know well you know i I know i like the way i like the way it plays with your suspicions i know a few people said oh this is like old doctor who it remind i i just basically thought this was going to be the episode dalek again I was like, right. at the end, it's going to turn out it was Slade, he's going to get overthrown, and then she's going to pick up his papers and take over and be the real bad guy. Right. You know, something like that. Um, so, it turns out that the system is the one killing people. Mm. And the power outage is actually drawing power from the facility to fuel rogue Kablam men. The missing people are still listed as alive. Okay. I think yeah. this is the point, is it, where Slade outs himself as being good. Yeah. Um, it turns out he's been... Print- the reason he's got filing cabinets and everything is because he wants his information kept off the Kablam system. Yeah. Which is good. Makes sense. So... This is where we're introduced to the character of Twirly, the original yeah. Kablam bot. 
Again, cute design. I like I like the design on Swirly. Yeah. So they need him so they can access the original Kablam system. So they can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That bit confused me a little bit. Um, but whilst that's happening, Kira wins Employee of the Day. Yeah. And is given a gift. The gift of death. Yes. So, Turns out. in order to get to the bottom and see what's happening, Ryan, Yaz and Charlie jump down the dispatch tube. Yeah, and you, you genuinely really like this scene. Uh, it just reminded me a bit of like Toy Story 2, a little bit of Star yeah. Wars. And what It's not as well executed as either of those, though, is it? What I really like is how it goes from like this massive CGI landscape... And yeah. then when they get to the other end, they're just in a car park. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it's it's the, the CGI just is not convincing for a moment. Um, I also like it that um, Ryan's coordination issues like let him down to the point he can high-five a man off the conveyor belt. <laughs> Doesn't know his own strength. Just like hammers Charlie uh, off the side. I, I will say... Uh, look, I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm saying here. I, it, it frustrates me a little bit, Ryan's... You know, Ryan is introduced in episode one as a dyspraxic character, a character with a very particular um, uh, issue, you know, which can cause, you know, real trouble for people. And, you know, we see him struggling with a bike in episode one. And then we see him looking a little bit pensively at a ladder in episode two. And then it hasn't been addressed really on any of the episodes uh, until now where he says, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm, uh, you know, I've got a coordination issue. And then he's fine. And then he's like, ah, oh, that was pretty good, wasn't it, for someone with dyspraxia? And it's like, I mean, yeah, thumbs up, Ryan. But like... Is that good representation? <laughs> you know, to introduce someone with a particular disability and then just be like, yeah, but don't worry, though, they're fine. <laughs> it's... I don't know. I find that frustrating. Yeah. So whilst that happens, the Dr. Graham and head of people use Twirly to hack the system and find the missing people. And again, this time the system says, help me to the doctor. Help required in dispatch. And I like the bit where Twirly says, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not that sort of robot. I can only gather and deliver. And the Doctor's like, gather me the information, deliver me the information. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess. the Doctor uses the Kablam Man's teleporter to teleport to the dispatch area. Sorry, this is where we find out Slade is a good guy, really. Yeah. And the robots are liquidising people. Mm, seems that way. Yeah. And there's a good shot here where there's an entire army of Kablam men. Yeah, genuinely good good CGI there. Because um, they're, they're all... You know, it's like that... What's it called? The Terracotta Army. Um you know, just these, just ranks upon ranks of these 
creepy little robots. Mm. So Kira is led into a sealed room where yeah. she is given her gift for being employee of the day. And when she opens it, it's just bubble wrap. Yeah. Big prank. Yeah. Especially because the gas in the bubble wrap is deadly. <laughs> yep. She's exploded. Yeah. Because it's not the workers who are the target, David. It's the customers. Oh, no. Yeah. And all along, Charlie's the one meddling with bubble wrap. Yeah. So he wants to commit espionage. He wants Kablam to fail. That way they have to give jobs back to the other 90% on Kondoka so they all can have employment. Uh, the Doctor does a big long talk about what he's doing being wrong and he just doesn't listen. He initiates yeah. delivery. Yeah. So, all the Kablam men disappear, deliver exploding gas to everyone. Everyone's dead. That's the plan. Except the Doctor uses the Sonic, hacks the Kablam men, changes the delivery option so that they have to open their own parcels because they're in a big sealed underground facility. Obviously, they're robots, so they won't be harmed and explode by it. Okay. They're going to detonate the bubble wrap. Yeah. Uh, they call to Charlie to, for him to escape as a countdown begins. But he just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Like I, I feel like the direction's a bit off on that scene because they're like they're standing there up on the balcony, like, no, Ch Charlie, come is it your final ch chance, Charlie, please come back. Uh and, and but like nobody's moving a muscle. Yeah. And he just sort of stood there gorgeously like, What? And then he's dead. And it's just a bit it's a it plays out a bit weirdly that scene. I tell you what is weird: the ending of this episode, yeah. where Yaz says, oh, "I've still got Lee Mack's necklace. Can we take it to his daughter?" And I thought there was going to yeah. be a scene where they do go, and she's like, "You know, oh, your dad loved you really, even though he didn't see you." But no, it just just sweet. cuts to the credits. Well, no, not before there's that weird gag where Graham's like, oh, some bubble wrap here, I'll have a go on that. And it's like, Graham, we've literally not been paying attention to what's been happening yeah. for the last hour. Um, it's like, it, it just makes Graham seem like a literal moron. Yeah. <laughs> very, very odd note. I mean, and we've, we've talked about the whole... The, the political weirdness of this episode, the weirdness of the Doctor saying, oh, it's not uh, it's not the system that's the problem, it's how people exploit the system. It's weird to hear the Doctor, generally quite an anti-authority figure, standing up for the system. That That's just... That, that feels a bit icky. Um, yeah... <sighs> It's a queer old duck, this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Um, yeah, but I don't I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just... Uh, the, not quite what it could have been, I feel like. Yeah, it's just like... How bad is that that it's probably my favourite episode of the series <laughs> and I'd probably give it maybe five or six out of ten? 
I think it deserves the six. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sure, I get it. I mean, I would, I'd, I'd be ranking Demons of the Punjab higher. That's a solid eight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I certainly wouldn't be surprised if somebody said to me that Kablam was their favourite of the series, but they still don't like it that much. Yeah. Um, we've still got a few to go though yeah what have we got next week so next week we should be watching The Witch Finders okay yeah Um, I don't know I hope we've done witches haven't we didn't William Shakespeare fight some witches Uh, yes Yeah. yeah so hopefully Hopefully they're going for a different tack. Wouldn't that be amazing if the first returning monster of of the Jodie Whittaker era was the oh what are they called the Carrionites yes. from the Shakespeare Code? Get them back. <laughs> that would be a weird uh, choice, wouldn't it? Um, what if it was just knows? like the episode, the Shakespeare Code, but they CGI Jodie Whittaker in the background, <laughs> just like having a cup of tea. She's like, oh, what's going on over there? But <laughs> you know what? That would improve the Shakespeare Code considerably for me. It'd improve this series. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, do join us next week, listeners, when we shall be discussing that episode. But until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening. And cheerio! Don't forget to donate to the Wheelie Big Quiz. for listening to neither the time nor the space if you wish to contact us our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on twitter we are at timenorspacepod and thank you to alexander urban for his smashing arrangement of the doctor who theme <laughs>